0: Welcome to the Sanction Space podcast. I am Justine Walker, Global Head of Sanctions, Compliance and Risk at ACAMS. This series brings you the stories behind sanctions. What are the trends? Who are the key people? And how do the threads of the past shape future thinking? Joining me today is Tom Plattisus, Acting Head of Latvia's Financial Intelligence Unit. And as an interesting point, Tom was listed in the Forbes 30 under 30 for the Baltics. Toms, welcome to the podcast first time we've had a 30 under 30 Forbes guest and also the first time of a acting head of an FIU.
1: thank you very much Justine for the kind invitation. it's my pleasure to be here.
0: Toms you've been in your current post as acting head of the FIU since June 2022. Prior to that you were the deputy head since January 2021 a really extraordinary time to be holding such a position. Clearly, the Baltic countries have all been staunchly pro-Ukrainian since Russia invaded Ukraine. There's yellow and blue lights visible at night on many streets in Riga and other Latvian cities. What has the invasion meant for you and for the country more broadly? What has Russia's movement in Ukraine meant to everybody in Latvia?
1: Thank you for the question, Justine. We could divide this question into two parts. Saying One part would be uh, what it meant personally for everybody here in Latvia and the Baltic states, and the other part would be professionally. When we talk about personally, there's an uh, old saying, expect the best, but prepare for the worst. And that's exactly what we did within the first days after February 24 last year. There's uh, a brochure that everybody has to be informed on. It's called 72-hour brochure. And it says the things that you have to keep in your backpack, the things you have to keep at your home to be prepared for crisis situations. And that's basically what everybody, neighbors, myself and my family, what we prepared and we did prepare for the worst because we never knew how far the aggressor country will go. But they're going to stop in Ukraine because we're not very far from there. Professionally, it was uh, no less worrisome. FIUs has this very strong possibility to apply risk-based approach on things, which means that if we forecast and predict or identify the right threats, we can work with them adequately assign adequate resources to those things and that's exactly what we did within the first days we understood where should we focus on we did an up-to-date risk assessment on everything that we see nobody could predict how exactly the things are going to turn out but what we focused on is maybe not initially sanctions because we knew that it's not going to take one to two days for sanctions to kick in as it actually was in practice but uh, we knew that there's going to be a lot of people running away from that country. I think uh, up to today, there's more than 10 million that fled the country, mostly women and children. But between those uh, good people that run away from the war, there are definitely some not so good people that try to use this situation for their own benefit. And we assessed... uh, Risks for sex trafficking, trafficking in general, like labor trafficking, surrogacy, organ trafficking. Those are all things that we looked at immediately, although Latvia is not a country that has been very much exposed to human trafficking, not as a destination or origin country. That is something we tried to look up to because luckily or coincidentally, we had a project going on together with Project FAST from the United Nations on assessing human trafficking risks. So they're a little bit, a lucky coincidence that we were learning about it exactly the time when it actually came in useful. Um, Another thing that we looked at is smuggling of goods, looting, looting all the crime sites is something that we still see and goods coming in the country and not only Latvia. Cybercrime was something that all Europe was uh, worried about and not only Europe, something that everybody expected was that the third world war, if we may, would involve a lot of cyber attacks and it will be a cyber war what we see today it's not actually the case and there was very little of cyber attacks going on from the aggressor country and and that's still what we see but that's something we prepared another thing that we saw initially was uh, donations of course everybody wanted to help ukraine everybody wanted to donate but there were a lot of bad people that used this possibility for fraud and that was quite a big thing not only in latvia but in several countries
0: So just staying at this professional level and sort of moving on to the concept of sanctions, you know, sanctions evasion has now just become the real focus of the G7 and wider partners who are really looking at just tightening, for want of a better word, the screws on Russia. Given the extensive measures introduced and Latvia's land border with both Russia and Belarus just How big a concern is sanctions evasion for you? How much of your time is really focused on this particular aspect?
1: I would say that sanctions are that's nothing new to the FIU or to Latvian authorities. We were quite involved in applying or implementing sanctions, not Russia-related sanctions at that point of time, but also there were sanctions against Belarus even prior to last year. We have a very strict, I would say, or very straightforward regulation when it comes to sanctions, breach or evasion of EU sanctions are a criminally punishable crime, basically, in Latvia. And it's also a predicate offence for money laundering, uh, where the FIU comes in uh, into play. And I would say that Latvia was quite well prepared for sanctions implementation we had previous experience and what we did throughout last 5 years is a financial sector overhaul strengthening all the institutions involved in fight against money laundering terrorist financing and sanctions implementation we have an extremely good ubo registry which is very handy when it comes to sanctions i know that many eu countries closed off their registries following the recent eu court decision latvia still hasn't closed it we've been very thorough in when introducing this, also focusing on sanctions compliance and for being exposed to Russia being the neighboring country of Russia and the external border of EU, we have had and still do have import export ties or business ties with Russian counterparts. And that means businesses have to know who they work with. And that's where UBO registry is extremely useful. But uh, even though we weren't surprised on what happened and we estimated how much sanctions could come into place and what could that mean, even for the up-to-date system that we have now in AML in Latvia, it was still quite a little bit of work. All the sanctions reports in the FIU are what we call zero priority. So a top priority assigned to all cases. And after the war, the first packages, EU packages of sanctions were more focused on financial sanctions, so a listing specific individuals. When we talk about these cases, it's not so difficult to understand whether somebody's hiding or trying to breach or evade sanctions. If there's a payment going on to a sanctioned individual, it's a breach of sanctions. In most cases, of course, with minor exceptions. If there's changes in the chain of UBOs or ownership, that's also pretty comprehensive to follow but uh, throughout the several packages up to 10 now there's been more and more focus on also something that we call sectoral sanctions so sanctioning specific fields or types of goods or fields of businesses and having or sharing the land border with uh, russia and belarus that is where latvia is mostly exposed to the amount of reports that we receive Those are not mind-blowing volumes. Last year it was uh, 281. Might sound uh, not so much for the US or the UK standards, but uh, for Latvia, that's also almost 5% of all SDRs. We receive approximately 6,000 a year. And taking into account that all of them are the highest priority, that takes up quite a little bit of work. Uh, this year, we see a similar volume. Uh, in the first three months, it's half of what we received the whole year. Last year, it's 141. By far, most of them are related to breaches, potential breaches or evasion of sectoral sanctions. But generally, summing up or answering your question, it takes quite a little bit of our time. It's not half or it's not everything, but it's it's a significant portion of what we do.
0: Let's just unpack the types of evasion schemes you're seeing, because clearly they do vary between the very sophisticated and indeed the less sophisticated, more simple for what a better description. What types of evasion schemes are you actually seeing in Latvia?
1: Unfortunately, I must say that uh, you don't have to be a criminal mastermind to come up with a sanctions evasion or circumvention scheme. Sometimes these cases are very straightforward. Uh, sometimes they're more sophisticated, but most of the times they're not very sophisticated. When we talk about evasion of uh, financial sanctions, it's enough to lie. If you say that you sold your enterprise or gifted your enterprise to your relative if it happens somewhere in non-EU countries it might be very difficult to check it of course not many I think hopefully no EU countries actually accept such a explanation but we see that it has been the case with sectoral sanctions it's sometimes also enough to try lying Uh, what we see on our border is that there are cargoes that are uh, eventually located in in Russia, but when they're moved initially, what the criminals say is that this is going to a CIS country. This is going only through Russia. It's not going to end up in Russia. It's going somewhere else, but actually they very well know that it's not in fact the case. That's I think uh, one of the two most popular typologies. So either just lying or having a fake set of documentation that one is intended for customs in in EU side and the other one is intended for customs in Russia or Belarus side the other most prevalent typology is just introducing a third partner in a chain of transactions let's say so if there was a previously was a EU party that transacted with a Russian or Belarusian party for example they sent goods for the value 100,000 a month sometimes we saw that Exactly the same amount for the same goods is happening, but through a third party somewhere in a CIS or other country that doesn't apply sanctions against uh, Russia or Belarus. Sometimes they try to make these schemes uh, more sophisticated by introducing maybe the fourth or fifth or sixth counterpart, but it's basically the same thing. One of my favorite cases, or we actually saw and caught here, was uh, an enterprise. It wasn't a Latvian enterprise, but the goods crossed border through Latvia, and it was an enterprise selling microchips, or let's call it electronics. It wasn't exactly microchips. Let's call it electronics to Russian counterpart. What they said now to a bank, which also wasn't Latvian bank, that now they're selling grain, uh, for exactly the same amount to exactly the same counterpart. But it was uh, we got a disclosure from another FIU. We sent the information to the relevant counterpart here. here back home, The customs police checked the cargo and it was very easy to catch such a case. There are more sophisticated cases also that we see. Also one of my favorite stories is uh, exporting car parts, which is not banned which is allowed if it doesn't uh, exceed a certain threshold. But what the customs police identified is that it's actually a full, completely new Range Rover that has been taken apart to every single smallest detail to look as general car parts or spare parts for mechanics, which means that Sanctions do work. I think it's, it's the straightforward proof that sanctions do work. If you have to take apart Range Rover completely, so somebody could take it and put it back together in the other side of the border, it's creating a little bit of hassle for those uh, oligarchs or, or other people who breach sanctions. Another, what I like to say is, is a little bit of good things in 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 sanctions or a funny twist of sanctions. I think we have had three cases now there's a long-standing business in latvia and other baltic countries and belarus has been importing timber so let's say logs of timber and also as old type of business for some belarus counterparts has been smuggling excisable goods to latvia including cigarettes and not only through latvia to other eu states as well because cigarettes are there are much much cheaper than in eu an old typology that I think everybody knew at this point of time, is cutting open the log, drilling its middle out, stuffing it with cigarettes, and closing it again and trying to import it as timber. And now, after sanctions, importing timber from Belarus is forbidden. It falls under sectoral sanctions, which means that not only it was much easier for the customs to identify it, because they see it's timber and it's uh, banned, but also in the middle on top of smuggling excisable cigarettes, they got extra several years in prison for breaching sanctions.
0: Still have the image in my head around this brand new Range Rover being taken apart. I'm sure the car enthusiasts listening will be in total horror of thinking of being dismantled then rebuilt. One of the things we've done in ACAMS is we've been looking at planning assumptions around how will sanctions evasion, you know, how will it develop? And we actually put out a sanctions evasion planning assumptions paper, looking at what we think may happen this year. But I'm really interested to hear from you and specifically looking at Latvia's response and what you're seeing and what you think may be on the horizon. How do you think evasion trends and typologies are going to evolve?
1: That's a very good question. We have been thinking about it quite a little bit. I must say that right after first few months of sanctions, we established a uh, public-private partnership back here, let's say a strategic slash operational one, with the uh, top largest banks in Latvia, with the prosecutor's office in charge of prosecuting sanctions, the state security service and, and FIU. We developed uh, several typologies of how sanctions are to be breached. And what we saw at that time, I think we were the first EU country, that first ones were the US partners, the UK colleagues, and then us. Uh, And now what we see a year in is that nothing has changed. All the same typologies are being used. There's not many new typologies popping up but it's uh, many very much reliant on what are the new sanctions packages if we talk about the oil cup now the evasion there as per uh, OFAC's advisory might be a little bit different but generally it's the same typologies being used sometimes we see criminal groups being established or changing their business model in some cis countries and offering the assistance in sanctions of aging as, as a type of business, coming up with fictitious documents, uh, saying the same example I gave previously where goods uh, are said to go to a third country but end up in, in Russia. This is sometimes a service provided by organized crime groups abroad. Uh, but apart from that, I must say there there will not be too many new types of typologies. However, Another interesting fact, in my opinion, is that at least few months ago when I last checked, Latvia was uh, number one in refused exports of cases or when exporting goods are refused on the border. Those are thousands of cases that we're talking about. I don't see the same numbers in other countries. And when we talk about general trade throughout the world, we don't, only talk about land borders. There's a lot of ports, a lot of air traffic going on, and maybe there will be something new that uh, some other countries do identify in these cases.
0: I'm going to draw this to a close, but before we close, I do want to ask you one question, because it is really what everybody is looking at, is how can sanctions be made more effective? From your perspective, whether it's Latvia, the EU, or globally, what do you think could be done to really make sanctions implementation more effective?
1: Harmonization, I think, is uh, the key word here. And first of all, something that the EU is already doing, harmonizing the severity of punishing for sanctions, breaches or evasion. So that means sanctions should be criminally punishable, at least in all member states. That would allow for better information exchange throughout not only FIUs, but also law enforcement. And the second is harmonizing locally in every single country their point of contact on sanctions generally not only criminally but also administratively and then also having one institution in eu level that will be in charge of not only issuing or adopting sanctions but also implementing sanctions and working with those central points throughout europe
0: Toms, thank you so much. You've been really forthcoming and it is great to get the insights from Latvia and I really, really do hope at some point in the near future you'll be able to put away that 72-hour pack emergency bag and not look at it or consider it. So our good wishes to you and your colleagues because you are very much on the front line there. Our next podcast will be from the Global Sanctions Summit, which is now part of the Hollywood Florida Conference. We'll all be live there. I hope some of you are going to be able to join us next month in the US. But in the meantime, thank you for listening. And please do sign up to hear the stories behind sanctions. Toms, again, thank you so much.
1: Thank you.